This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Daniel Sellerson. What's going on? Welcome into the Friday edition of the Black and Blue Report. We made it to the weekend and it's a busy weekend here in the Crescent City, of course, Mardi Gras Parade begin to ride this weekend. There's a Super Bowl going on on Sunday between the Patriots and the Eagles. And the Pelicans begin a tough road back-to-back starting tonight against the Thunder. Hi, everyone. Welcome into the show. I'm Daniel Salerson filling in for Sean Kelly, who is in Oklahoma City with the basketball team right now. As I mentioned, so much to get to on today's show as we will cover, of course, the Super Bowl. We'll talk about the Pelicans versus the Thunder And we'll also have a nice story for you involving Saints wide receiver Austin Carr. Of course, the Pelicans made a big splash yesterday with the trade. They acquired Nikola Miritich in a second-round draft pick in exchange for Omer Asik, Jameer Nelson, Tony Allen, and a first-round pick. Nikola Miritich will not be available tonight for the Pelicans, but is scheduled to play in the back-to-back tomorrow night in Minnesota against the Timberwolves. So the Pelicans will be a little shorthanded tonight against the Thunder. For the Thunder, they lost last night on a game-winning shot by Gary Harris in Denver. They didn't get back till around 3 o'clock last night, so we'll see if the Pelicans can take advantage of the Thunder getting back late into Oklahoma City. We'll get Brett Dawson's thoughts on tonight's matchup. He used to cover the Pelicans for the Advocate, now covers the Thunder for the Oklahoman. We'll hear what he has to say about the big three and how they're meshing really well. That's Russell Westbrook, Paul George, and Carmelo Anthony, and then the loss of Andre Robertson to a ruptured patellar tendon, one of their top defensive players, how this changes things for Oklahoma City. For the Super Bowl, Patriots and Eagles again on Sunday from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Everyone talking about how cold it is, but luckily, again, the game will be played indoors. Jen Hale, of course, you know her from the NFL on Fox and also the Pelican sideline reporter for Fox Sports New Orleans. She covered both the Patriots and the Eagles this season, part of her football duties, so we'll get her thoughts on the big game, and also uh, she'll talk about the trade that the Pelicans did yesterday as well. And then before we get out of here, an uplifting story involving Saints wide receiver Austin Carr. A couple years ago, uh, he signed up to be a bone marrow donor, and of course he made the donation while he was in his senior year with Northwestern. And finally, almost two years later, he was able to meet uh, the recipient of his donation, a Roy Coe. And uh, they met in Minnesota, and we'll hear from Austin Carr. Our very own Sydney Robinson caught up with Austin earlier today to talk about that experience, what made him do it, and how you can make a donation online. Such an inspiring story, and the feel-good stories are always great, especially when it's one of our own in Austin Carr doing a, an unbelievable and selfless thing uh, for this person. And so glad those two finally got to meet. Usually after a year is when you're eligible to meet the recipient of your donation, but it took two years to finally meet Roy, and they interacted and met in Minnesota, and we'll get their thoughts on how that went. Okay, so a busy show today. We'll talk Pelicans. We'll talk to Austin Carr, but first, let's start with our Super Bowl preview. It's Jen Hale from the NFL on Fox and Fox Sports New Orleans next on the Black and Blue Report. In 1907, Dixie Beer was a balanced, refreshing lager, brewed with love and top quality ingredients. It would grow to become something that connected us. The neighborhood beer of every New Orleans neighborhood. 
And now, Dixie is back to that 1907 recipe. Original and reinvented, just like its hometown. Visit DixieBeer.com to learn more. And always drink Dixie responsibly. Dixie Brewing Company, New Orleans, Louisiana. We call it No Appointment Radio. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Super Bowl 52 is upon us, just a couple of days away from the big game. Joining me now to preview the matchup between the Patriots and the Eagles is our very own Jennifer Hale, who covered both teams as part of her duties with the NFL on Fox. And, of course, she is a sideline reporter for the Pelicans on Fox Sports New Orleans. Jen, Pelicans game tonight and tomorrow, then the Super Bowl on Sunday. Should be a fun weekend for all of us. It is a fantastic weekend for sports fans and so many great storylines with with all three games. Uh, You know, for the Pelicans, they've made a roster move, so it's going to be exciting to see how this how this plays out for them. There may be more moves ahead, and uh, this Super Bowl, I'm 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 really intrigued by six Super Bowl rematch in history, and and I can't wait to watch Tom Brady go up against this Eagles defense. It should be a really interesting game, that's for sure, and we'll get to the Pelicans part later on in the segment. Let's start with the Patriots and the Eagles. I know these two teams are the number one seeds from each conference, but are you kind of surprised that this is the matchup we were talking about this morning? Uh, I am. uh, Not so much from the perspective of the Patriots, but from the Eagles. When Carson Wentz went down with that torn ACL, you just figured the Eagles wouldn't be able to reach this type of level. You thought maybe Nick Foles would step in and do a decent job, but but never bring his team to the Super Bowl and, and what I think is going to be actually a really competitive game. Um, so I'm excited. I love the underdog story. I love the resurgence and the comeback idea for Nick Foles. Uh, you know, I had his game way back when in 2013 uh, when he was in Oakland and threw seven touchdown passes, tying the NFL record. He also had a perfect passer rating that game, which is an NFL record for a quarterback to do both those things in the same game. So it, I, I'm so it, it has been intriguing and, and it piques my curiosity to have watched how did he go from that level down to the backup level we've seen the, in recent years? And then, you know, in that NFC Championship game, gosh, he looked fantastic again, throwing into tight windows, multiple receivers with 30, 35-yard catches. Uh, he was throwing fast or holding on to the ball, taking those deep passes, not being uh, pressured to hurry. So I think it's a really curious case with him, this this change, this metamorphosis. And uh, I know uh, their quarterback's coach, John DeFilippo, has been working so hard with Foles on trying to get him more comfortable in the pocket, increase that pocket presence. Uh, I'm curious which Nick Foles will show up on Sunday, and I think that's going to have a huge impact on the game. Is it as simple as for Nick Foles, just try to not to make too many mistakes against this Patriots defense? Is that what's going to give him maybe the most success against a, a tough Patriots team? Certainly there's a huge argument for that. Uh, the Patriots, D, not the strongest unit. They're the strength of their team, of course, in Tom Brady, Gronk, Amendola, Cooks. Uh, if Nick Foles cannot get rattled and, and not not throw the game away, uh, yeah, you've you got to think the Eagles have, have a decent shot here. I, I think a real key for them, though, is getting that run game going early. They, they rely on their run. Uh, it really opens things up for Nick Foles. When, when you look at that offense, what Jay Jai and LeGarrette Blunt can do, if they're forced to, to take a back seat during this game because the Patriots get out to an early lead, I think that could really hurt the Eagles. Uh, watch for Ajayi to maybe be catching out of the backfield too, uh, uh, bringing in a, a, a little trickery, a little trickeration perhaps. 
Absolutely. It should be a really interesting game. But I also want to talk about last year's Super Bowl just for a second with the comeback the Patriots had. I felt like the Falcons got a little too aggressive down the stretch trying to put them away and win their first Super Bowl. And I get some of that as far as you never know what the Patriots can do. But do the Eagles learn a little something from that and try to find a balance of being aggressive against the Patriots, but also playing it smart against a team that's done this so many times? You know what, Daniel? It's such a good point. And I don't know that anybody really knows where that balance is with the Patriots. They are so fantastic at being creative offensively. Uh, I, I think they probably have um, the, the biggest offensive playbook in the league, followed closely, I would imagine, by Drew Brees and the Saints. Their offensive is so, their offense is so expansive. Uh, they can adjust at a moment's notice. So, yeah, I think, I think, A, you have to pace yourself. Part of the problem with Atlanta last year, I felt like perhaps they got a little too overconfident um, and expended a little too much energy early on, didn't leave anything for down the stretch. And that's when Tom Brady and, and Belichick just flipped the script a little bit offensively and went to work. So if Doug Peterson and the Eagles are smart, they will remember that and take that into consideration for sure. Um, it, it, it's going to be a game where you're going to have to play down to the last second. If, if Tom Brady has taught us anything, not only in his uh, all his Super Bowl appearances, but his many comebacks during the regular season too, I think it's that. You can never count him out. You're going to have to be creative and on your toes and uh, appropriately aggressive all the way through. Uh, halftime adjustments I think are going to be really interesting to watch, especially from the Eagles' perspective. How do they change? How do they adapt to what the Patriots are doing? Uh, or, or do they try to take this, the stance of, hey, we have one of the best defenses in the league. Uh, we're not going to adjust at all. We're, we're going to make them take what, what we're giving them. It, it'll be a good battle to watch, especially Brady and, and that uh, front four, that defensive line uh, for the Eagles. They are tough. They, they bring a lot of pressure. They do a lot of things well. Can they make Tom Brady uncomfortable? That's uh, a huge question mark. It'll be fun to watch. No doubt about that. Uh, what does this game come down to on Sunday? Give me an X factor, whether it's a player on either side. I know you mentioned uh, the Eagles defensive line or maybe a certain aspect of either team. What should we look out for when watching the big game on Sunday? Uh, well, I think for the Patriots, the X factor is going to be uh, Gronkowski's health. He's been cleared from that concussion protocol. I was actually, Daniel, surprised they announced it so early. I yeah. figured in true Patriots fashion it would be a quote-unquote game-time decision. Right. Uh, but how does he have his legs underneath him? How effective can he be after having to sit out so many practices? Is he ready to be at his 100% best for this game? Uh, if anybody can, I, I do think he's one of the ones in, in that elite category. But, but I'll be watching really closely to see if there are any effects of that either concussion or just the lack of practice and conditioning over the past couple weeks. And I'm going to go back to Nick Foles for this Eagles squad. Uh, if, if he is the Nick Foles of old, the, the Nick Foles in his second year as a pro, if he can return to that type of confidence level and form, uh, I think it's going to bode very well for the Eagles. But if he is the Nick Foles we've seen recently who favors only the run-pass option, who has to make a decision very quickly, cannot hold on to the ball and wait for deep threats to appear, uh, gets rattled, isn't very mobile. I think that's gonna. I think that's gonna shape up to be real problems for the Eagles because you've got to get that ball out. You've got to get that ball to your guys, and you've got some 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 players who can do some real damage. Alshon Jeffrey, Zach Ertz, they're they're having fantastic seasons, and if you can capitalize on on their athletic ability and the talent level that they've 
worked themselves into. I think the Eagles could give the Patriots a, a real run for their money on this one. I think it's going to be a real close game. I agree with you, Jen. Before I let you go uh, and also talk about the Pelicans, I want to talk about just this game being in Minnesota. I know a lot of people are talking about how cold it is. Luckily, it is an indoor stadium and a beautiful stadium at that. But does this maybe deter the committee as far as teams bidding that northern cities might not get another crack at this or this might hurt them just based on I know things are going well up there, but with it being so cold, how much does this affect possibly other northern cities, even with new stadiums, getting a Super Bowl bid? Personally, Daniel, I am a Gulf Coast Southern girl. I cannot stand cold weather unless I get to go skiing in it. So I am hoping it deters them a lot. But realistically, uh, I don't think it will. I think right now the one and only main factor is the construction of new stadiums. And if you build a new stadium, if you build it, the Super Bowl will come, uh, at, at least for the near future. I think the NFL is going to continue to uh, reward those cities and teams who make those types of investments, and it doesn't really matter the climate. All right, well, I'm with you. I can't stand the cold, and I'm cold here in New Orleans when it's 50 degrees. So I'm hoping for some more than weather here soon uh before i let you go let's talk about the pelicans a little bit they made the big news yesterday with the trade to the bulls they acquire nikola miritich and a second round pick in exchange for omer ashik tony allen jameer nelson and a first round pick what did you make of this deal i think it was a move that had to be made uh, i hated to see the pelicans give up another draft pick it seems like uh they've sacrificed so many in recent years but considering where the team is i don't know what other choice you had uh, and considering the two performances that they've turned in without Boogie Cousins. Although they do need a bit of a grace period to adjust, but, but certainly this, this team is built around the concept of two bigs. Meritich is not Boogie Cousins. He can't bring exactly what Boogie delivered, but I think he certainly helps. Uh, he, he's a defender. He can score. He, he can work with AD. And AD, you know, he prefers to play that four position. He, he doesn't want to take all the beating and banging of a five. So I think Miritich is going to help lessen that load a little bit as well. And then if we can see another piece come in, possibly, oh, let's just say New Orleans native Greg Monroe, <laughs> uh, I think I think the Pelicans could be in much better shape than they were uh, the night and morning after Boogie tore that or uh, ruptured that Achilles tendon. They needed another piece. Um, this is certainly going to at least push them in the right direction. You know, one of the most dangerous places for a basketball team to be is to just miss the playoffs. Or even if you get in and you're the seventh or eighth seed, it's just tough. You're going against the Rockets or the Warriors. You're, you're kind of in that middle ground, no man's land. So uh, we'll, we'll see. Can Miritich help them uh, hold on to that four or five point game lead over 500? Can they get into a fifth or sixth round playoff spot? Uh, I sure hope so. My fingers and toes are crossed. We'll, we'll get our first sample tonight against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah, should be an interesting weekend, that's for sure. And I'm looking forward to tonight's game against the Thunder. That's Jen Hale from the NFL on Fox and Fox Sports New Orleans. You can catch Jen on tonight's broadcast as the Pelicans take on the Oklahoma City Thunder. Jen, get ready for the game. Stay warm in OKC in Minneapolis. And as always, it was a pleasure having you on. Uh, thanks, Daniel. Always makes my Friday to talk with you. I appreciate it. We'll be right back. Now, Uber takes you couch to courtside at the tap of a button. Heading to a Pelicans game, Uber helps you pass on the parking and focus on the fun. 
And if you're still an Uber rookie, you can get $20 off your first ride with code PELICANS18. Uber, a proud partner of your New Orleans Pelicans. It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report. Pelicans begin a tough road back-to-back tonight in Oklahoma City against the Thunder. Let's head to OKC right now and catch up with our good friend Brett Dawson, who used to cover the Pelicans for the Advocate and now covers the Thunder for the Oklahoma. And Brett, I'm sure it was a late night for you after last night's tough loss to Denver. It was. I was actually not in Denver. My uh, beat writing partner, Eric Horn, was there, uh, New Orleans native. But uh, I was doing some work. Uh, they keep us busy. Uh, even when you're not on the road, when certain things happen, you're trying to help out. So we had a little incident with Russell Westbrook and a fan last night. Not anything real significant, I don't think, but still something I had to write about and do a little work on. So, yeah, it kept, kept me up. I was about to ask you about that at the end of our segment, but let's just bring it up now. Do you expect any disciplinary action regarding Westbrook? I know that fan should never have been on the court, but the fact that Westbrook made contact with the fan, do you think anything comes from this? I, I think it's possible. You know, I, I am of the mind that fans are not supposed to be there, and obviously we've seen situations where this happens where – Fans get on the floor. This is the first time that I can remember in a long time that there was any sort of physical interaction between a player and a fan. Uh, the league doesn't want that happening. And, you know, a lot of people asked me last time on Twitter, what's Westbrook supposed to do? Just walk away, walk around a guy who's, who's taunting him. And my suspicion is the league would say, yes, that is what he's supposed to do. Um, he's not supposed to engage him in any way. Um, you know, I don't think that merits a suspension, but I won't be shocked if the league were to say we can't have our players touching fans uh, even when the fans are in a place they're not supposed to be because security can't keep every single person away. Um, security's got to be better. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if there's some kind of maybe a fine. I, you know, I, I, would, I wouldn't think that merits a suspension, but the league does things all the time that I'm not sure uh, you know, about, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this one plays out. All right, let's talk about some basketball now. I know the Thunder have lost two in a row, but they were also on an eight-game winning streak before and are 22-13 and 13 since they lost to the Pelicans in late November What's the biggest reason behind the Thunder turnaround? Well, they've become one of the best offenses in the league, as I think we expected eventually they would. Um, Paul George has shot the ball great. I, I saw a stat today, um, and I, I would credit who put it out, but I can't remember who it was, um, that I, I think uh, in terms of attempting seven or more threes per game, uh, his 42-ish percent shooting is, is sixth or seventh all time. Um, he's having a great season shooting the ball. Uh, he had a big game last night in Denver. He, he's just, I think, started to find a, a comfort level. And there are still moments. I mean, he had a great game through three quarters in Washington and didn't get a shot in the fourth quarter. And Russell Westbrook said after the game that's, that that was on him. That was his fault uh, to not get Paul George a, 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 at least a field goal attempt in that quarter. Um, so there's, there's still some moments. But they've been really, really good offensively. I mean, they, they've been on a stretch since the beginning of December. They have had stretches where they were the best offense in the league during that eight game winning streak i believe they were number one in offensive rating if not they were number two uh they, they've really figured out a lot of things offensively and while their defense has slipped a little bit um they've really been able to outscore people for the most part you see them running into some problems they weren't very good offensively against washington but their defense was good they went to denver last night really didn't play any defense uh, and got themselves back in the game just almost entirely with their offense is there anything that the big three are still trying to work on as far as playing with one another, whether or they sort of found each other's strengths and weaknesses by now? I think they're pretty good together at this point. There are still some moments, I think, uh, like I said in Washington, that was a problem. 
you know, Paul George was nine of 14 through three quarters, eight of 14, I think, through three quarters and did not get a shot in the fourth. And that's, that's problematic. Um, I think there are still moments when Carmelo Anthony, he had a really bad game shooting the ball against Washington. He was two for 12 from three, but he took a lot of the shots they want him taking. 12 three-pointers is, you know, they'd like him to take 10. Um, I think for him, there are still times when, uh, I'm sorry, I'm battling a little bit of a cold here. No here. problem. I think there are still times for him when, uh, you know, he struggles just a little to settle into what is a totally different role for him now. He is a, a catch-and-shoot, uh, trail-on-the-break three-point shooter. Um, he's taken away a lot of the things from his game that he likes to do that sort of uh, isolates the free throw line, the jab step, the kind of classic Carmelo Anthony we all know. He'll get into those habits occasionally, um, and, and it's been a struggle to let go of some of that, but they are much better when he does let go of that. Of course, it was tough to see Andre Robertson go down with that ruptured patellar tendon. How big of a loss is that considering how well he's played defensively for the Thunder? Well, it's a big loss because he's so good. Um, he's so good on the ball. He's so good off the ball. He is a guy who unlocks a lot of things in terms of the way you switch. Um, you can put him on the best offensive player and let Paul George kind of freelance, um, and it makes Paul George just a devastating off-ball defender. Um, that's one of the reasons why he's led the league in deflections and steals. He's look, Paul George is tremendous on his own, obviously. But paired with Robertson, that, that's really a, a fantastic wing-defender combination. And they lack that now. They don't have anybody uh, close to that level to be their number two guy anymore now that Paul George is their number one. So that hurts. Um, you know, they switch all over the floor, and he's so adept at that. He can handle so many different kinds of players. Um, you know, he's, he's been sort of a guy who's made a reputation on, on being a terrific defender on James Harden. So there's all these things that he does for them defensively, so many things that he allows the other guys to do uh, that they now can't do. And so that's, that's an, uh, you know, there's an adjustment period there. Um, they have been really pretty comparable offensively with him on and off the floor. People think he's such a bad offensive player that he really drags them down. He doesn't because he plays very much within himself as an offensive player. So you don't see him really put the ball on the floor in situations where he shouldn't. He doesn't take a lot of shots that he shouldn't take. He doesn't force a lot of shots. He's a bad free throw shooter. He doesn't get to line that much. Uh, and they had some options for getting him off the floor when teams went to kind of hacking him intentionally. So he brings a whole lot to them in terms of just his, his what he allows everybody to do defensively, what he can do one-on-one -on -one defensively, and then just as an offensive piece uh, who, who is just kind of a gear who makes things go. He doesn't, doesn't do a whole lot, um, but he fits very well. So all those things. There's no way to replace that with one guy, and so now it's kind of trying to figure out exactly what they do there. Brett, I feel like we have to throw away the game in late November, I think, between the Pelicans and the Thunder because New Orleans doesn't have DeMarcus Cousins anymore. The Thunder's big three is starting to figure things out. Is that fair to say when approaching tonight's game that you kind of have to forget about what happened on November 20th? Yeah, the, the, the Thunder was in a run there, and that game was a great example of it. Of uh, It would get big leads and then relax uh, and blow those leads. I mean, that was uh, – I forget the numbers on how many leads they blew early in the season. Um, but it was dramatic. They were really struggling with that. Um, since then, they've gone through a really long stretch where they haven't lost a game in which they've had a double-digit lead. Like, once they get up 10, the game is, is – they control it by and large. Um, so that was really a, a problem for them in the beginning of the season that is no longer a problem. So that's part of it, the, the fact that they did have the big lead there. They got a huge lead in the first quarter there in New Orleans. Um, you know, if they got a big lead again tonight, I wouldn't expect them to let it get away, um, at least not all the way away. Um, so, yeah, they're a very, very different team. They're different. Um, obviously, they're different defensively without Robertson. They're not as good. 
Uh, offensively, they are a dramatically better team. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see. And you know better than I do. I, I don't know what New Orleans roster is going to look like tonight. Yeah, I don't know either yet, and it's uh, almost not almost game time, but it's the day of a game. So we'll see how that plays out, whether Miritich will play tonight for the Pelicans. That's Brett Dawson of the Oklahoman. He's a must-follow if you haven't already, at B. Dawson Writes. Brett, I appreciate the time as always, and enjoy the game tonight. Thanks, Daniel. Appreciate it. All right, up next, Cindy Robinson chats with Saints wide receiver Austin Carr. The New Orleans Pelicans have the perfect way for you to do it big with your buds by scoring the Guys Night Out six-pack presented by Loft 18. Packages are available for select Pelicans home games throughout the season and include two tickets, four beers, and a $20 gift certificate to Loft 18, your ultimate indoor golfing experience, all for as low as $50. So do it big with the next Guys Night Out six-pack on Wednesday, February 7th against the Indiana Pacers. Visit pelicans.com to plan your next Guys Night Out today. Follow us on Twitter at Black Blue Report. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. It's Cindy Robinson here. The Super Bowl is obviously the biggest story in sports this week, but a story flying under the radar is the kind act of Austin Carr. For those of you who don't know, the Saints receiver donated bone marrow a couple of years ago, and he was finally able to meet the recipient of his donation. Joining us now is Austin to talk about that moment. Thanks for joining us, Austin. Good to be here, Cindy. So first, let's start off with what went into deciding to be a donor? Um, deciding to, I guess, first be on the registry was very easy because um, it's simply a, a, a swab in your cheek to um, get some of your saliva and, and enter yourself into the registry. So that was easy enough. But once I found out that I was a match, um, it was actually at the end of my redshirt junior year at Northwestern and um, it, it meant that I would have to basically sit out of uh, a couple of weeks of spring ball and, and a, a couple of weeks of workouts. Um, so I had to speak with my coaches a little bit and um, with my family and just kind of count the cost of maybe missing that and you know who knows what could happen in the, with the depth chart in that time. But after some thought, um, it just became clear that it was the right thing to do. Now, that's a big sacrifice, especially, you know, that's your career, something you've been working hard for. How important was it to you to still go through with the donation? Um, well, for me, it was it was pretty important, just knowing, um, you know, I'm a Christian, so when Jesus says to love your neighbor as yourself, I, I, I really take that seriously. And, um, you know, I'm by no means perfect at it, but I, I, I felt that this was a perfect opportunity to do that. Oh, I sounds amazing to me <laughs> um now let's go into the process because i read an article about it and from you and they you know interviewed you about it and you said you went through a little pain can you tell us a little bit about that yeah so basically the, the drugs that they give you beforehand to pet your body to, to ramp up the cell production was pretty powerful and after a couple of days um, my bones were, were aching quite a bit because they were working so hard to make more cells. So, you know, three, four days into um, taking those drugs, it was, it was, I was feeling real pain in my hips and my, um, kind of my arms and my, my thighs really, like, where you have a thicker bone, that's where I was feeling some pain. But it, it was really a low price to pay for, for 
um, for I, I knew at the time for the patient to have a chance at life. So I mean, it was really worth it. So after all of this time, you donated, and it was a part of the be the match policy that you guys had to wait a year to actually meet the person that received your donation. It was actually two years, right? Since you, uh, yeah. since you've given and you just got to meet him. How was that yeah. feeling knowing that you were going to meet him? Um, just really exciting. Um, you know, you get emotional, especially right beforehand, but I was just really excited to finally put a face and a name. I didn't even know his name beforehand to, uh, you know, somebody who I, I knew had been so, affected by me um, and not even just by who I am but just what I was able to do for him he was you know basically given more um, time to be on the surf and then during it of course you know pretty pretty uh, pretty amazing what was the best part about the meetup uh, the best part was probably my wife and his girlfriend um, talking and crying and, uh, you know, just kind of hugging it out. I don't think he or I cried or, or got too emotional. It was, it was kind of joyful for us. But seeing, seeing our ladies kind of connect and, and um, kind of thank each other and talk was really nice. That's amazing, Austin. So is this something you would encourage people to do? Absolutely. Um, this is something that, I mean, I can see this becoming a partnership with the NFL at large because, um, you know, there's about 100 million Americans in the, the registry, but that means about 200 million who are old enough are still not registered with the match. And, and um, the real sad thing is that um, there's a far more Caucasian or um, of European white descent people um, who are registered, which increases the chances for um people who are white to um, be uh, killed. And this is something that Be The Match is um, really trying to um, fix because basically it, it, a white child has about a 99% chance of having a match, but a black child has maybe a 20% chance. Um, if, if, you know, it could be any kind of bone cancer or blood disease. Um, and so that's something that I just want to raise awareness and that Be The Match is striving to fix. Um, and in the ethnically diverse NFL, I think that we could definitely um, start to fix that and um, help be the match and really help help others because I know that, you know, who knows who it could be next who needs this. I mean, it could be, um, you know, one of our daughters or, or wives or even dads or moms. So um, it's just important to help, to help these good people that be the match. Wow, that's amazing. So is there somewhere specifically specific anywhere anyone can go if they want to get involved or donate? If anyone wants to get involved, it's as simple as going online to be the match and um, basically expressing your desire to be a, uh, on the registry and they'll send you a package actually um, to really just swab your cheek and send it back in. Um, hopefully though, we can, we can extend that um, partnership to where be the match is um, sending teams down to um, NFL facilities and, and locations and events to get swabs and get more people on. Yes, that would be amazing. Okay, before I let you go, I have to talk to you a little bit about Super Bowl. Unfortunately, yeah. the Saints aren't playing, but right, right. 
one of the teams that you started your NFL career with, I guess we could say, the Patriots, mm-hmm. you were with them during preseason, is actually in the Super Bowl, of course, and against the Eagles. So what are your predictions for this matchup? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is pretty painful not to be in this game when you really know that your team could have been. Right. I like to be making predictions just about who's going to be the funniest commercial. <laughs> um, but I, I think it's really hard to bet against the Patriots, to bet against Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Um, nothing but respect for those guys, especially when they, you know, they played us. I, I think that we weren't the team that we became. We too went for the Patriots, but um, I just, I just have the utmost respect for the for that team, also for the Eagles. The Eagles have a, have a very, very talented football team, but um, in the end, I think that the, the quarterback, just you know, the once in a generation quarterback in, in Tom Brady, that talent is going to help the Patriots pull through. Yeah, it'll definitely be an interesting matchup. I'm trying to go for the underdogs, though. So, <laughs> okay. But thank you yeah. so well, much. I just, I just said that's what my that's what my head says, not my heart. Ah, gotcha, <laughs> gotcha. Thank you so much for joining us, Austin. Yeah, my pleasure. Okay, back to you, Daniel. Thank you very much, Cindy. What a cool story there uh, with Austin Carr, and I hope everyone can go online and. Uh, Think about making a donation. It's just easy. Get your cheek swabbed. You send it back to them, and they'll see what you can donate, which is pretty cool. I'm thinking about doing it myself. Just be able to help another person help save their life. Really special and a really great interview with Cindy and Austin. All right, tonight, Pelicans and Thunder from Chesapeake Energy Arena in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. It's an 8 o'clock Central tip. Yes, a weird time for a Central time zone game, but the Thunder like to do things a little differently as far as weekend games. So 8 o'clock tonight. At Oklahoma City, of course, you can watch it on Fox Sports New Orleans with Joel Myers, David Wesley, and Jen Hale. And on the radio side, you can listen with Sean Kelly and John DeShazer on 99.5 WRNO and the Pelicans Radio Network. Then tomorrow night, it's the Pelicans and the Timberwolves from Minneapolis, Minnesota. It's a little tricky for them because that is the host city of Super Bowl 52, so a lot of logistics being involved as far as hotel situations. But nonetheless, there will be a game played tomorrow night at the Target Center, and it's also an 8 p.m. Central tip. So let's see if the Pelicans can get one of these games on the road, hopefully two, and we'll also tomorrow night see the debut of Nikola Miritich, who was just acquired from the Chicago Bulls. Our thanks to Brett Dawson, Jen Hale, Austin Carr, and Cindy Robinson for appearing on today's show. I hope everyone has a great weekend here in the Crescent City or wherever you may be listening to the show. Enjoy the Mardi Gras festivities, enjoy the Pelicans games, and also, more importantly, enjoy the Super Bowl between the Patriots and the Eagles. Eat a lot of food, enjoy the commercials, and we'll recap that game on Monday. Plus, get you ready for Pelicans and Jazz. Pelicans begin a two-game homestand before they hit the road for their Mardi Gras road trip. Until Monday, I'm Daniel Salerson. Have a fantastic weekend, and thanks for listening to the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans, the Black and Blue Report.